The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's 10 minutes after 8. Thank you so much for staying with us. And if you've just joined in, well, welcome to you. And uh, thanks for listening to the Forum at 8 here on AM Live. Now, when people misuse antibiotics, uh, such as taking them when one doesn't need to or not finishing all of your medicine, this could lead to the creation of new drug-resistant superbugs. Superbugs are strains of bacteria that are resistant to several types of antibiotics. Now, antibiotics have helped to control and destroy many harmful bacteria that can make people sick. But in recent decades, the antibiotics have been losing their punch against some of the types of bacteria. And while um, antimicrobial drugs are becoming less effective, the world has not yet uh, been uh, has not been developing enough. Um, enough new antibiotics to keep up. Now, the global cost, if we do not take action now, could be 10 million people dying every year by 2050, an accumulative economic cost of around 100 trillion US dollars. And joining us for this discussion this morning is um, uh, Natalie Shalak, who is Associate Professor at the Sefajo Mahato Health Sciences University. Thanks so much for coming through, Natalie. Thank you. And we also have with us uh, Precious Ngayana. I got it right, didn't I? Yeah, you tried. You (laughs) must welcome, Sakina. Uh, Precious Ngayana, who is an independent pharmacist and actively campaigns against the use of antibiotics and steroids in animal farming, which is fantastic because someone's already sent a tweet about um, the food that we are forced to eat, according to our listener, but we'll get to that in just a moment. So the question we're asking this morning is, are you fully aware of the dangers of misusing medicine? And um, the lines are open, 0891-104-208. can also SMS us on 34701, Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM, and the call-in number 0891-104-208. You're welcome to call in. Now, let me start by asking, Natalie, just how big of a problem is the misuse of medicine in South Africa? So currently, it is a huge problem, and we have um, run out of antimicrobials. So I just want to change that wording a little, Mm. because in South Africa, we are challenged more than just antibiotics. We also have drug-resistant TB. We've got drug-resistant HIV and drug-resistant malaria, which might not be problems that other countries are facing. So the demands on um, changing the culture in South Africa, the responsibility to our public consumers is even larger than what it is in developed or other countries. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got a huge problem and the we are running out of the, as you've said in your introduction, out of antibiotics or antimicrobials that can save lives. And where children were normally, where we could treat an upper respiratory tract infection easily, it's now going to become more of a challenge. And how does this compare to other countries that might find themselves in the same sort of uh, socioeconomic band as us? Okay, so in other countries, if we look at the BRICS countries, and even if we look at India, we are more or less in the same um, paradigm or in the same we, we share the same problems. But in South Africa, I think we've got a, um, we've got a unique situation where we've got a developed 
um, health system or healthcare system within a public healthcare system that might be struggling a little bit more. And I think um, we share the same problems and we need to create a community where we've got a forum to actually exchange views on how we are going to tackle this. And I think the other important factor is to realize is that antimicrobial resistance is really just a plane ride away. So it's not. So even though we share their problems, we share problems with developed countries as well. And you know, when we talk about um, these uh, antimicrobials and 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 the fact that we have these issues with resistance, how does that even start? Uh, it starts from um, irresponsible use of antibiotics. And what does that mean? Uh, it means uh, people have gotten used to uh, using antibiotics. Like if you've just got a cold and flu, you know, you're most likely to just um, ask your doctor to give you uh, a cause of antibiotics because, you know, if you take antibiotics, you're going to recover much quicker. But that has led us to a situation where now we're in trouble because the antibiotics are no longer as effective as they used to be. And there aren't any new uh, classes of antibiotics coming onto the, onto the market. So... Now, what we need to do as the public is to understand that you should only use the antibiotics only when they indicate it. And the doctors have to go a step further to make sure that the antibiotics they prescribe, they are actually indicated. I'll give you an example. Some doctors that are actually um, at the forefront of this, when they prescribe, when you come to them, if they're not sure whether you have a serious infection or not, because some minor infections can clear on their own without you taking uh, antibiotics. Your body has that ability to do that. They would give you a number of items to clear the symptoms like your sinuses, your sore throat, uh, lozenges, decongestants, cough mixtures, and then write an antibiotic and put a note to say, if you don't uh, become better within two or three days or if you feel that you're getting worse or your glands are swelling then go to your pharmacy and then take the antibiotic but not as a first choice to say okay i'm giving cortisone antibiotic and all that now assuming that uh, physicians themselves are aware of what we are talking about right now why would they then opt to give an antibiotic Shouldn't they be warning people, uh, like, let this be the last course of action? Why are they distributing it so easily? I think the problem Mm. is uh, the people demand now Mm. antibiotics from the doctors. They put doctors under pressure. It's like, you know, I want an antibiotic. We get to a point where a patient is no longer a patient. They almost treat themselves as a client or a customer. It's almost like, you know, if I'm paying you 500 rand for a consultation, you know, you need to give me something that's going to work and I don't have to come back to you for the same thing. So that's where the the problem is. I would say for me, that's not reason enough because isn't it unethical? If the doctor knows what the possible side effects could be to this, that they should, it doesn't matter if you're going to pay a thousand rand. If there's a better cause of treating it, then that should be put forward. The, the, the patient isn't a doctor. I think that's true. But I think the other flip side to the coin is that we are using technology in terms of diagnosing infections that we can relate to the 1860s. So the doctor also is in a position where he doesn't always know what he's facing with. And South Africa is moving towards um, suing 
um, almost similar to what's happening in the USA. Mm. So if we could also just have a diagnostic market stimuli where we could have access to diagnosing what type of infections the patients are suffering from, that will empower the doctor to immediately inform the patient or the client what they have and treat it with certainty, with certainty and um, you know, just give them that power. Now, you just uh, spoke about us using outdated technology, as it were. So clearly the world needs new responses to all of these diseases that we see. And how are we faring on that score? Uh, what, what was the problem is with the antibiotics or the antimicrobials? They are only used seasonally, only in winter, and it's a five-day course, like, you know, for um, average infections. So uh, it's not profitable for pharmaceutical companies to invest in antibiotics. They would rather uh, invest uh, in research and development for treatments for cancer, for diabetes, for hypertension, for heart diseases, because that the person depends on that particular treatment for life. You have to take it every day. So if you invest in that, you are guaranteed better returns, whereas antibiotics, uh, not everyone uses antibiotics in winter. So you spend all the money equivalent to what you would have uh, spent uh, developing treatment for something else, yet you don't make money out of it. And soon then the class becomes a res- um, um uh, ineffective, you know, against certain infections and then people move forward. And um, that's just how it's developed. Would you say the situation is getting worse, Natalie? Um, I would say there's a lot of emphasis on the situation. But yes, the resistance that we are seeing is very quickly gaining momentum. And even forums and platforms like yours is great to create a global public awareness. But we need to get our policymakers on board. And the policymakers actually has to get um, or have to give market entry rewards to all of these pharmaceutical companies and look at what type of patency they are giving the pharmaceutical companies. But in South Africa, I think even in the rest of the world, we need to start with education earlier than the consumer. We need to get into high schools and we need to create fun spaces to educate high school learners on creating the culture of adherence so that the emphasis is no longer on when you are sick. The emphasis is before you are sick. Have you been vaccinated? Mm. Have you washed your hands? So there are basic principles that really doesn't um, need a lot of money that we can teach our children. You know, um, I remember once um, I had to go and see the doctor. And as I went in, the doctor was quite irate. And I was like, okay, so what happened? What's going on? And he says, every single patient that I saw uh, this morning, because he, he used to deliver a service to one of the companies in the area, and he says, can you believe it? They come in here and tell me they are sick. I must diagnose. But, you know, Natalie comes in telling me, uh, can you please give me that aspirin that you gave uh, to mm. a precious? Like, and, and, and that made him absolutely livid. Yes. But people do that. Yes, and I think that's why it's so important to get into high schools. We really need, because we always talk about the public healthcare sector, and I want to take away the healthcare sector, and I want to say, South Africa policymakers, healthcare workers, let's talk about the public care, the public sector. And the public sector is every person that stays in South Africa has to be educated on the correct use of antimicrobials as part of the curriculum in basic education. So the Minister of Basic Education 
please let us start educating the people in high schools. And also taking someone else's medication mm-hmm. and, and, and the danger inherent in that. Uh, it's very common with antibiotics because when you give an antibiotic, it's for a course. If it's for five days and you take it twice a day, you're going to be given 10 tablets. Mm. But with antibiotics, the way they work is that you will feel better within like if uh, the antibiotic is the right one, you start feeling better within two or three days. So some people, the moment they start feeling better, then they stop the antibiotic. And then they will have a few tablets remained, remaining. So if a friend is presented with similar symptoms, I say, oh, I have some of, of, of uh, my antibiotics that I got left like previous time I got sick. So people do that. And some, even if they do not share, you walk into someone's house and then you look at their medicine cupboard and they are like antibiotics from somewhere. It's like, okay, how did this come about? Just a few tablets of <coughs> antibiotics. Because uh, you're supposed to finish your course, whether you feel okay or not. And that's very dangerous. Actually, that's the main source of uh, creating resistance because you're mocking the bacteria. You don't kill it completely. Mm. So what happens is it goes and regains strength and mutates. When it comes back, it comes back so strong. They often refer to those as superbugs. Yeah. I wonder if people realize just how dangerous these things are. And, um, you know, all the things that were mentioned this morning and the sort of scary results that could develop from there. But we asked you to call 891 and Felix is calling us from Nalspreit. Good morning, Felix. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Actually, the, the, the problem with antibiotics has been discussed uh, over and over again. And I think we should actually cast our mind back to when actually we started using antibiotics when we discover that it is bacteria, this microorganisms that causes some of our illness. But what they refused to tell us was that this bacteria could be our friend, actually. Because there are thousands, millions, trillions of them living on our body, on our skin, mm-hmm. on our gut, everywhere on our body. And they don't cause us harm. Instead of developing arms, nuclear weapons to wipe them out, mm-hmm. they could have developed other ways in which to make them more friendly to us. Because these bacteria have been here long before we came. Actually, they are the building block of our life. And so it was, it was a wrong move right from the beginning. Now we are fighting the war, an endless war against these bacteria, which will never end. The pharmaceutical companies are only interested in profit, not people. And that's where the problem is. Mm. Okay, thank you so much, Felix. Let's go to Pretoria now. David, good morning. Hello, good morning. I think my point is I had an experience last week. My practice is that, uh, you know, the two doctors that I met, for instance, uh, a week before last week, I went with the area, and uh, the person didn't take long to investigate. I had the food I sought the day before, but uh, she immediately, I think, gave me antibiotics. I was under stress at that particular moment, but the next day, I was, you know, I, I was caught with the idea, well, why did she give me the antibiotics without investigating exactly? what the problem was. There was no tool test taken. So, in short, I have an experience of serious doctors in this country that when you go there, they immediately do that. So what we have to find out first is why are they doing that? And what pressure do they have doctors to do that? And the second point I want to say is the Department of Health has to take this seriously and then perhaps give to workshop or training doctors eventually so the practice would be encoded in their system that mm. they shouldn't give antibiotics immediately, but they should give people the chance.
to find out exactly what the reason is and then give it. So I disagree with one of your panelists who say that it's the clan, quote-unquote, which are uh, wanting this way. I totally, totally disagree because this disputes my experience. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Karim in Durban, good morning. Hello, Sakina, good morning. Welcome, Karim. How are you? I'm well, thanks, and you? Sorry, you're not on the station. I said, what happened? Did you go away to America? <laughs> I'll tell you the reprimands I had to put up with this morning, but it's all good. It's all in a good love and a good spirit. Will you be, will you be in Senate tomorrow? Yeah, I will be. Oh, enjoy my Senate and I love my side. I miss it. Anyways, again, besides that, the thing, I want to just, uh, I'm, I'm a national uh, practitioner on national health products, and I just want to make one input that, unfortunately, that people do not understand, and that the public does not have a lot of confidence in natural stuff. And, and uh, a flu is not a, a disease. It's a viral. Mm-hmm. So whether you take uh, five antibiotics or 11, it, it, it's not going it, to, it, it's a viral. So my, I, I work from another angle, and I always tell people that it's all part of your immune system, and they should take some, like, ginger, garlic, you know, and make a concussion of that, and then give it four or five days and, and that. But the thing is, I find that at the moment I've picked up a lot of stuff in the, in the, in the public sector and also in some pharmacies. They've got expired stock which is not being rotated, and they dispense this to patients uh, in really, really, and uh, some some pharmacies are not even getting a prescription. They, they, they dispense in medicine without prescription. They, they even do Schedule 4, Schedule 5, and the pharmacy supplies over the counter yeah, for his own business quietly. Maybe he's got a member of the family who's a pharmacist, and they give people medication without prescriptions. And I don't think the Medical Control Council has got a grip of it. I'd like to just inform people, please, Take medication, not uh, over the counter, just really, really, because there's some products that can be very bad for your system. Thank you very much, Sakina. Thank you so much, Kareem. Okay, let's get some responses from uh, Natalie and Precious before we go to news break. Um, Precious, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll just um, add to what Karim said. I'll start with Karim and then uh, Natalie can do the rest. I mean, I completely agree with him. I mean, most colds and flus, they clear. They will tell you that it can take up to two weeks, you know, of you not being well, just like self-medicating and stuff without the antibiotic. Even if you've got a minor infection, that will clear. And uh, natural uh, health products, I mean, um, I used to use um, fresh chilies. You know, you take like a lot of fresh chilies, you crush it, you add hot water and you drink that you know it's very horrible to drink but the next day i used to wake up fine so i definitely agree with uh, uh kareem Durban. Natalie? Um, yes, I would like to respond also to what Felix have said. Uh, I think it's important to realize that we have more bacterial cells on our body than what we actually have our own cells. So mostly bacterial cells are very good for us. And then I think the culture in terms of uh, dispensing expired medicines is something that we also have to work on. And, mm. you know, irrational dispensing of medicines. And I really believe that will is confounded in education, in proper education. And my final comment that I got from all three of these callers is that actually all of them said that we've got a responsibility. And it's important for the public to realize that if you don't take your antihypertensives, the only person that you are affecting is yourself. You might die of a stroke or, you know, heart attack. But if you don't take your antimicrobials properly, and that includes flu medicines like what Karima said and all of the other virals, antivirals, antiprotozoals, whatever you are taking, Mm. you are affecting the lives of our children. So you might have something to cure whatever disease you are having, but you not using your medicines properly is affecting the next generation.
Um, this one from Sipo who says, uh, this starts at the local Department of Health clinics where nurses give antibiotics or painkillers to everyone who's sick. On the forum at 8 this morning, we are asking, are you fully aware of the dangers of misusing your medicine? And perhaps you can, you know, share a few stories with us, something that you may have done, something that someone else shared with you. What was your response? How did you react to all of that? But also, you know, some very interesting comments coming through uh, via the various social media platforms. And um, just to reintroduce our guest this morning, uh, we have uh, Natalie uh, Sherlock. Is it correct? <laughs> yes. It's, it's me there. Sherlock, yes. Sherlock. <laughs> yes. Natalie Sherlock and Precious Mayana. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're putting me under pressure. <laughs> I mean, why can't we just all have easy surname? <laughs> choose your, your, your guests next time based on the surname. I, I think so. I think so. But uh, let's continue with the conversation about our awareness of the dangers in misusing our medicine. Or maybe you're not even aware that, you know, some of the things that you do get up to are actually harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way in which we interact. And if you look at the, st- uh, the, 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 the stats around this and the projections, it really is staggering. I mean, uh, by 2050, we could have 10 million people dying every year because the antimicrobial drugs that uh, we use currently are becoming less effective. And that could cost us around 100 trillion U.S. dollars. Think about that. 891 is a dial-in number. And then um, the SMS line number, 34701. And let me read a few of these SMSs. This one says... Um, We must stop antibiotic use in livestock and agriculture, uh, which is used to increase animal growth. Um, And then there's another one uh, from uh, Kahisho Mueng on Twitter, uh, who says a pretty much similar thing. Says, SK, I don't take antibiotics, but I'm forced by meat producers who who always inject their animals. So maybe we can just spend a minute talking about that, Precious. Uh, yeah, un- unfortunately, that is a, a situation. Uh, most of the antibiotics or antimicrobials that are produced, I ate about 70% of them are used in animal farming. They are using animals, you know, and not for therapeutic reasons like to treat like sick animals, but uh, uh, for animal feeds, you know, to uh, pro- uh, as um, um, to promote growth as well as uh, to um, make up for... Uh, conditions because you know the animals they like like chickens they like broiler chickens what we eat so they are all in in confined space it's dirty you can't clean so you have to give the chickens um, routine antibiotics because you know with uh, chickens if one ca- ca- catches mm. uh, a cold or flu then they infect the whole lot and the whole lot will die so to prevent that so on a routine basis you must give them chicken so how this happens, normally there are rules to say if you've given your chickens antibiotics, whether it was prophylactically or like preventatively or you were treating, before you slaughter, you need to wait a certain period. But we all know that the industry doesn't adhere to that. So the meat we eat or oh, occasionally, not occasionally, mo- most of the time, you know, it has the resi- residual uh, antibiotics. And that is very harmful because we are actually ingesting sub-therapeutic doses of antibiotics. And that's what creates resistance, you know, because you're not sick and mm. you're not even taking um, enough um the, the right strength of the antibiotics. So it's like on a regular basis, even milk is the same. You know, there's always like um reservoirs, you know, 
uh, antibiotic reservoirs that remain. And um, that, uh, unfortunately, that's the, that's the situation. Pretty scary one. Um, so when you're looking at a meat product, how do you know? using the labeling and hope hopefully the labeling would be you know pretty good on that product how do you know what would you look out for to know that they've used some sort of antibiotic uh you must just take it as a rule that um, any meat in a shop has antibiotics in it not unless what they would do like some free range chicken they'll have a sticker that says it contains no antibiotics. That's so just y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> so only when they say they they are no antibiotics, then you know anything that doesn't have a sticker that says no antibiotics, just assume that it has antibiotics because that's just how the industry has uh, grown over the years. I mean, I'll tell you uh, when uh, a vet, when you need to treat an animal, you need a script. Uh, from a vet, mm. you know, for that. But if you want to buy uh, antibiotics, you can buy 80 kilograms of um, uh, antibiotics without any vet uh, script. So you just go and buy and then you go and feed it to animals. If it's for feeding animals, it's fine. But if it's for treating animals, it's where the law says you need to have a prescription from a vet. Jake speaks up on that and he says doctors buy antibiotics in huge drums and dish out those antibiotics like sweets. Uh, doctors get very angry when you talk of alternative treatments. But uh, here's one for you, uh, Natalie, from Sarah Mahoba in Fiakral. Uh, may you please ask your guest about SeptoGuard Natural Antibiotic? I recently bought it from a certain pharmacy. Is it good or bad? And um, what are the side effects? Okay. So I think it's important when we talk about all alternative medications, maybe n- not just that product in general. Um, it's important to realize that even antibiotics or any medicinal product may have come from a natural compound. So most of these products, like Septagard, has contains a specific product that you would also find in a medicinal product. So it's just in different quantities, and the alternative product has now, is now going to be regulated by the Medicine Control Council. So there's some new legislation that is coming up in terms of beauty products, alternative products, that will actually tell you whether or not what the trials, if the product has gone through trials, what the outcomes is. And at this moment, we don't have all of that information readily available for all of these products. So I think there's alternatives available for specific conditions, but we don't have evidence that can uh, conclusively tell us that, you know, that it's gone through all of the processes, Mm. whether or not it is going to work. Okay, let me just read a few quick SMSs. Gift says antibiotics are sold over the counter by bogus pharmacists. Uh, Cleaners and cashiers have assumed roles of pharmacists in pharmacies that are owned by a non-pharmacist. That's from Gift. And then uh, Paseka Makoti says the state is largely to blame for flooding the public with antibiotics. I wish doctors also prescribed Detox means like enema. That's from Pasega. Uh, and then um, Sammy and Benoni says the antibiotics have never been a cure for flu. And all doctors and pharmacists know this. Um, antibiotics do not cure viruses. They are the best money-making scheme for the doctor and the pharmacist. And Kate's contribution is that I'm a doctor and I feel it is absolutely our duty not to prescribe antibiotics um, when 
they are when they are not indicated. We are also responsible for the emergence of these superbugs, and we should know better and educate our patients. Most simple flus, etc., are viral and antibiotic, and will not help you to get better quicker. The fear of litigation is no excuse to unethical practice. I want to come to you, Kate. Send me a message. <laughs> Tell me where your surgery is, because I'm fully with that. But let's go back to the lines. Oh eight nine one. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. Mohammed in Joburg. Good morning. Morning, Sakina. How are you? I'm well, thanks. And you, Mohammed? I'm all right. Uh, I know you are struggling to pronounce the names of your guests. I'll just say to the morning also. <laughs> morning. <laughs> no, precious and Natalie isn't difficult. Yeah. I won't be able to pronounce also. Sakina, uh, I just want to come. <laughs> I just want to comment a few things. Uh, uh, first of all, the biggest contributor of this problem of antibiotics is the clients or the patients themselves. Mm. Uh, for two reasons. The first reason, they diagnose themselves. When you go to a doctor mm. and they have that perception in their mind, the doctor will maybe inject them to antibiotics or give them a very strong medicine. or And then whatever he gives will outcome from the doctor after he consults with them. They tell, okay, that doctor is not good or whatever. Now, when you ask them what happened, they will tell you, he didn't give me injection, he didn't give me that strong antibiotics, he didn't give me that. So that's one big thing that they do. Uh, Just a quick experience from yesterday. I took my cousin to a private doctor. He was complaining about the flu and also he had a cold. And he said, uh, I asked the doctor, please inject me. Okay, with what then want to inject you? He said, okay, the doctor. He said, okay, I'll inject you. And the doctor <laughs> gave him some few antibiotics. And when he gave him, uh, he said, doctor, why don't you inject me? And the doctor called him, okay, come, he injected. Then this morning he was telling me, I asked him, how are you feeling today? He said, it's okay, I don't have a problem. And the doctor refused to inject me, but then I forced him to inject me. And I asked him, what type of injection did he give you? He doesn't know. He said, he just injected me. Right, that's what, mm. that is just what the perception of the clients, you know. Yeah, and, and and that's, I'm sure, true of so many people's experience. Uh, Sandy Lane, Peter Maritzburg. Hi, good morning, SK. And good morning, Sandy Lane. Thank uh, you. Yes, I think, I, I think uh, what we are dealing with is actually a product of many variables. In the whole value chain, starting from the pharmaceutical companies, going to the doctors, going to the patients. From the patient side, most of the callers mentioned, we have a problem of patients that we call Dr. Cookie. <laughs> everything and come with an answer. I, I think on the doctor's side, the major problem we have in South Africa is an unregulated private practice. Um, because uh, people do as they wish. Uh, what now happens is that an ethical doctor will do the right thing uh, against what the patient wants. The patient will go across the road and the patient will get what they want. Because people want to be pushing numbers. So one of the big things that we need to do is to change the way doctors and private practice charge patients from the current fee for service, where people just pushing numbers based on unethical practices, to what we call capitation system, where where actually the way doctors practice um, uh, is an incentive of people doing ethical things because they, uh, they're going to be uh, paid on a particular per capita basis. I think that is my input. Thank Th- you. Thanks so much for that, Sandile. And now uh, the Health Minister, Dr. Aaron Mutsaledi. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to Elizabeth. And good morning to our guest. Uh, good morning, Minister. Good ah, morning, ah, Minister. Ah, my guests are so excited, <laughs> Minister. <Well. laughs> good morning. 
Nice surprise. Morning, morning. <laughs> yes, Sakina. You know, I, I was just getting out of the airport when we started this program. And, and, and coincidentally, I was just, I was, I, 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 I'm, I'm just from Geneva. The, at the World Health Assembly, where all the ministers of the world and experts are gathered together for the World Health Assembly. This topic you are discussing now was one of the major topics there. Uh, there's a report that was given by Lord Jim O'Neill. You, you ask just how big this problem is. Mm. Uh, it's so big that the Secretary General of the United Nations as the Secretary of, of, of the Treasury in, 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 in England, in the UK, just to investigate how big this problem is. And uh, Minister? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you now, but I think we lost the last half a minute of what you were saying there. Yes, I was saying it, it's so big that the Secretary General of the United Nations asked Lord Dean a name from the UK to an economist to investigate just how big this problem is and what is going to cost the world. I'm saying it is so big that in September we are taking to the United Nations. Tell you what, we'll try and get Minister Aaron Mutsoledi on a better line. But in the mean, uh, meantime, let's go to Martha D. Martha D. Mutata, I haven't heard from you in a while. <laughs> yes, of course. Sakina, it's been a while. Let me just get to it. Sakina, I'm very glad that you brought this topic. Number one, many people abuse prescription medication and that is very dangerous. Number two, could you please ask your guests to tell us about the different kinds of antibiotics. I'm saying this because I was told from my colleague that I'm allergic to some kind of antibiotic. Then they asked me which ones I didn't know and then I uh, consulted my doctor family and said Unfortunately, because you are, you are multiple allergic, so you are allergic to all antibiotics. So as from that one, from that day, I'm not allowed to use any antibiotics. And also, it's very important while you are on antibiotics, you have to complete the whole course. The whole course. But my question is, I think there are different kinds of antibiotics. Could your guest please tell us the different kinds of antibiotics? Sakina, thank you very much. I listen on the radio. Thank you so much, uh, Martha D. Okay, let's answer those questions and then we'll go back to Minister Mutsualeri. Um Just very quickly, uh, Natalie. Okay, so I think just to come back to what Mohammed has said about Dr. Uh, you know, about patients diagnosing themselves I think we are all in the realm of Dr. Google you know in the hands of Dr. Google and I think that's why I just want to get back to the previous point where we we have to give our students and our learners the right education we have to teach them Mm. so that they know exactly so that when they consult Dr. Google they know how to interpret Dr. Google and then just to get 
Back. Dr. Google is dangerous. It's eh? very dangerous. I once <laughs> misdiagnosed myself. I thought I was suffering from dementia. <laughs> and then I'm maybe just leave it there. Dr. The Minister of Health, this report is also what um, Precious and myself have been looking at from Jim O'Neill. It's very, very good. And I think it would be great if you can make it available. And then um, Martha from Mtata. I, I just visited Mtata about two weeks ago. So it's a beautiful place. So there are different antibiotics. Yes, Martha, you are absolutely correct. And the ones that you mostly are um, allergic to would be penicillin, cephalosporins, or um, cotramoxazole. Those are the ones that you would mostly be allergic to. But I think what's important, mostly important, Martha, is when you go back to your clinic, tell them what happened. So that will help them to try and figure out what antibiotic are you allergic to. So did you get a skin rash? How did that rash look? And explain it to the healthcare providers there. And then they know exactly, you know, or they may have an educated guess what you are allergic to. And then just with regards to why you should finish a course. So I think that's a hotly debated topic at the moment as well. So then there are antibiotics that are time dependent. And then there are those that are concentration dependent. And without going into too much detail, we are actually saying now that we should actually dose higher dosages of antibiotics for a shorter period of time. And the society, the South African Society of Clinical Pharmacy that I chair, has recently brought out some guidelines with regards to some of those antibiotics, but we are also working on another paper. And then just the very last thing that I just want to say is that South Africa is also struggling with uh, infrastructure. So with our public health care hospitals, it's very good that we are saying that we should use antibiotics correctly. But there are some basic infrastructure things that you as a healthcare person or, you know, as a consumer of that system, when you go into the hospital and you are going into the ward, please have a look if there's soap when you enter the ward. That's a very basic thing. And then the nursing sisters and the pharmacists and doctors can also have a look at it. If there's no soap when you enter the ward, it means no one is washing their hands. So please look at that and look at, you know, wash your hands before you go out and when you, you know, before you go in and before you go out. And if there's no soap, please ask, where's the soap? Well, getting back uh, to Dr. Aaron Mutsualedi. Minister, you were telling us about uh, you uh, the fact that you've just returned from Geneva uh, with ministers from all over the world discussing this very topic. Now, um, we lost you uh, when you were telling us about the Secretary General and um, some something that's happening in September. Yes, uh, I was saying the Secretary General of the United Nations is expecting a report from this commission that is run by Lord Jim O'Neill uh, about the extent to this problem. And it's going to be presented to the General Assembly for the heads of state. In other words, the problem is elevated above ministers of health to presidents and prime ministers and heads of state to take resolutions about what their countries are going to do because it's a big problem. You know, Sakina, you, you mentioned... The, 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 the money is involved. 10 million people are going to die mm. and, and, and 100 uh, 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 trillion, uh, uh, US trillion dollars. dollars that would pass to economies of the world. Let me tell you, I don't want to scare the public, but just to explain exactly what it can cost now, and because it has already done so. Sakina, let's say you, you have got a, a, a new problem, and the doctors say eventually, they need to, to do some knee surgery. It's elective. Mm. You book it, uh, they book it eight months away. You are healthy, but you just have that knee problem, and they want to go and fix it. You got into hospital, you are working. You get into there, they, knew, they do the knee operation, 
you catch a small infection, which is very common, it's called nasocomia. Uh, it happens all over the world. You catch a small infection, which in the past, we know it just gives you an antibiotic at the end. But this time, they try everything and it fails. And you never get out of that hospital alive. Wow. And you said you didn't yes. want to scare us? <laughs> no, no. But that's the reality. That's, that's a the reality. scary Unfortunately, reality. I have to because... Lord Enil said in the solutions which the heads of state are going to adopt is massive public education. Because he said, you know, just when the United Nations, 18 months ago, when the Secretary General asked him to do this job, his first question was, what is antimicrobial resistance? He himself did not even know. Mm. And he said later on when he discovered he was addressing educated people, and he found, them, they don't, he found that they don't even know what it is. So, so there's going to be massive education. The other solution is going to be a, a big battle with ministers of trade and industry and agriculture because one of the problems in antimicrobial resistance is, is animal husbandry, where some farmers are feeding animals antibiotics. Mm. It's not you this time who's taking the antibiotic, it's the animal. Yeah. But you are going to take its milk and the meat. Oh. And suddenly you are resistant of a life-saving antibiotic because you add meat or you took milk. In countries like Netherlands, they've already stopped it. No farmer is allowed to use any antibiotic in routine animal husbandry. We're going to have to do that all over the world, and that's why presidents must go and take that decision. The other is tax. We might impose tax on any doctor who prescribes any antibiotic. On any prescription, we might have to impose tax to discourage them in the mm. pharmaceutical companies. The third one is diagnostics. Uh, uh, when, when I was listening, Sakina, uh, uh, somebody said sometimes even the doctor doesn't know what he's dealing with. It, it's true. Mm. In microbiology, we, we know that this organism, this particular organism, is, is, is sensitive to this one antibiotic. But that's done in the laboratory. GPs and small hospitals around don't have laboratories or don't have time for that. They give what they call broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what it is. It may be any one of these, but it's going to be very expensive or time-consuming for me to do the test. Let me just give an antibiotic uh, broad spectrum. Uh, uh, it, will, it will catch one, one of the bacteria that is there will be caught by this broad spectrum. Now, one of the solutions which was mentioned in Geneva was that we need to ask rich countries to invest in innovative diagnostics so that even in a far rural area, a doctor has got a bridge range of diagnostic at the point of care where he can diagnose the real thing and give you the real thing. Whether, for instance, it's an ordinary flu, it needs no antibiotics. Uh, we need to do that with diagnos- uh, 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 diagnostic. The, the last issue, which I had you talking, is about... Uh, the issue of ethics uh, from doctors. By the way, I was also a GP. I know that very well. <laughs> Patients forcing a doctor to prescribe antibiotics, and the doctor is not that he's unethical, he's just scared. He's running a practice, and the patients, the way to spread around uh, uh, that uh, 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 he does not give enough medicines, uh, unlike Dr. So and so, and they leave him. Some doctors are not brave enough to withstand that. I, w- I used to withstand it, but. Others are not. That I'm going to lose patients, I must do what they want. The customer is always right, as you know. In other words, that's what we call commercialization in medicine, you know, uncontrolled commercialization. But also uncontrolled commercialization of, of health, that leads to this type of thing. Minister, 
That was invaluable. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was uh, the Minister of Health, Dr. Aaron Mutsualedi. And really, you know, always a pleasure listening to him because he's always on top of his portfolio. You know, and if there's something going on, he will be the first to call in about it. So really appreciate it there. We are coming up to the top of the hour. Let me read a few messages from Twitter. Um, This one from King Damane says, when does one know that you are overusing antibiotics? Precious? Uh, When does one know that you are overusing antibiotics? I mean, if you're going to need them more often than others. I mean, I can't remember the last time I took an, an antibiotic. So if you... Each time. So what happens was what I know, like with some people, they would have like recurrent uh, urinary tract infections. Mm. And then that has been shown in the past to say you can get resistant E. coli from uh, chicken and pork. You know, so sometimes it could be from your diet. So some people are more susceptible than others. So when you get like um, recurring infections, just like review the type of uh, meats that you eat, the milk you drink and stuff like that. It shouldn't be like that. Kylie Kumalo says, how do you curb over-reliance from antibiotics and how is addiction determined? Okay, so curbing um, over-reliance on antibiotics is a multifaceted aspect where we would have to look at the prescriber and we would have to give the prescriber some tools to help him to actually um, talk to the consumer demand. And there are some nice um, checklists that you can give to the consumer to say, if you've got the following symptoms, it's most likely that it's a virus infection and use the following um, agents to help you with a viral infection. And when it comes to the consumer, we need education. Okay, and then a few last ones. Uh, Justice Wall Unati Kwaza says, Americans are struggling with addiction to pain medication and South Africans Mm -hmm. are over-medicated with antibiotics. Uh, we need better doctors who aren't in a rush to get rid of us when we consult them. And uh, then just two more. Babazile uh, Mutua says, people are drug addicts through dangerous antibiotics. Today, there are people who cannot function without popping a pill. And uh, it's Piwo says, antibiotics are still better than Panados, which were used and issued by doctors for all and sundry illnesses. My friends share them. So unfortunately... Okay. Okay, okay, your one thing. Okay, I think uh, we wouldn't be doing justice if we didn't thank uh, the Lord Jim O'Neill. Others know him as Mr. Briggs because, I mean, he put it all together. You know, the report that minister was talking about, it's 84 pages right in front of me. It's so big, you can't even put a stapler through it. So we're, like, really grateful, you know, the effort that he's put into um, work, all the team, you know, that he worked with. So we are truly grateful for the Lord uh, Jim O'Neill. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, thanks to our guests this morning, uh, Natalie uh, Shellac and uh, Precious Nayana. Yeah, perfect. I got them. <laughs> In the end. All's well that ends well. Ladies, thank you so much for coming through and everybody else who partic- participated as well. It's nine o'clock and time for the latest news with Kumbuzi Tabete.